Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Hello. Hello again to you. This is Jan L. Burt, host of The Burt Not Ernie Show podcast, getting the promises of God into the people of God which is really where they belong, isn't it? This is episode 110. Almost unbelievable to me that I have done this 110 times. Wow, that's just incredible. And um, it is summer. It is summertime. When I'm recording this, it is the middle of June 2022. It is hot and it is a busy, busy time for so many of us. And because it is a busy time for me, I just wanted to kind of give you an FYI, let you know there may be uh, what seems like some pauses on the podcast schedule this summer. Um, I'm not, um, I'm not really going to be able to be set in stone on uh, Thursday at four o'clock. I drop an episode. I'm kind of going to be a little bit more. Eh, I guess you'd say relaxed about how I release the episodes because I've just got stuff on the horizon, stuff coming at me. And honestly, I'm really trying to make sure that I lean in, like lean in close to the Lord and hear him. I need the Holy Spirit to tell me, do this, don't do that, drop that, add this. Um, I think I'm going to be doing a lot of dropping of things because I'm just overwhelmed. Anybody else feel that way? Like you've just got too many irons in the fire and none of them. None of them are really getting hot. And so honestly, I feel like I can do a better job as a podcaster if I have less things going on. I know the list of things that God has called me to do. And then I have a lot of other things that are on that list that some of them have been great and timely. Now, this is not just an introduction and not just me yapping about myself. I'm saying this next part that I'm going to say is it's for somebody, probably multiple somebody's need to hear this. Okay. So if I already lost you and you're like, oh my goodness, she's just jabbering and yawn over there. No, no. Listen, I need you to hear this. Okay. There may be things in your life that are really, really good. And they may have been perfect for a particular season, a certain point in time, but it may be like I have told my kids in their growing up years. And I've said other times, like friendships, uh, friendships, can be a little bit like milk. Sometimes they have an expiration date and that's not a bad thing. Like you're not drinking chunky milk, right? And so uh, sometimes it's okay to say nothing bad really happened. It's just, you know how it is. If you're a mom, for me as a homeschool mom, there was a world I ran in, you know, the circles I ran in had to do with my kids' sports and activities. Um, And then there was another era where one of my daughters went to Taylor University and there was a group of parents here locally um, they're a really great school about that, connecting parents locally to uh, get together and pray for the school and for their kids and to kind of connect. It's a really cool thing. But that was, again, like for a season. It had an expiration date on it. When my daughter graduated, things just changed. Their kids, you know, graduated, things changed. So um, I there are things in life, other things that can be really good. I'm not talking about the bad stuff. I'm not talking about the negative things that you know need to go. I'm talking about the things that are like, man, I really thought I was supposed to do that. You maybe were supposed to do that. 
It just may have come up on its expiration date. God may be saying, let's thin this out a little bit because I need a little more bandwidth in your life. I need a little more room. I'm going to do something here. I'd like you to come over here and do this. You've got this thing that you've been doing kind of on the side, Clyde, and I need you to do a little bit more of it to do that. Let's weed out some of this stuff. It's like weeding a garden. You know, you're getting rid of the weeds, but sometimes you ever have like one of those, it's like a, this is a plant that's going to be beautiful and bloom ideally, or maybe it's in your, like a food type garden, but it's not thriving here. Does it need a transplant? Maybe. Maybe this one needs to go because it's not going to make it, you know, maybe it's not going to make it in this environment. Let me move it. Let me take this out and repot it and just its own little baby plant, take it inside, baby it for a while or move this one to here. You know, I know my grandpa always had, um, he always grew things in Arizona. My mom did too, which is really, you think in Tucson, how'd you have a garden? Uh, they both did. It was pretty remarkable. Like my mom would have, it's just crazy. I could like, big old coffee cans in the ground, dug in around the plants. And because the, the, the way the soil is there, you know, and the way that, um, it's just such hard ground. You dig out the ground, you re you these huge coffee cans around the plants. And then the way you water them is you fill up the coffee can to the top like two or three times a day for each of the plants. So um, that's an FYI for you. If you're in Tucson and you're wanting to maybe start gardening or something, yep, you need to get those big metal old school coffee cans that you can get the top and the bottom off and dig them down into the ground around the plant. But you can grow things. My grandpa one time, he grew tomatoes in one of his big, huge, like think container gardening, but he had a unique container system. He grew tomatoes one year and the year before he had grown peppers in that soil and he had spicy tomatoes that summer. Somehow the growing of the peppers there had made them spicy. Look, I say all that to say there may be something going on where you have a feeling of like, this door feels like it's shutting and this hasn't been a bad thing. Um, it just might be time to let go. Let the door swing shut because if it's the Holy Spirit shutting it, you can't force it open, keep it open, hold it open, fight against that anyway. So let it swing shut. Just pray about those things. If you've got kind of that weight and that sense, pray about those things. Like, God, do you want, do you want me to do a replant here? Like, is this area where the peppers were last year? I'm going to plant something else here this year. I'm going to make space. The peppers are going to go and I'm going to make space and I'm going to plant tomatoes. And whoa, are you going to do some cool thing where I end up with like spicy tomatoes because I obeyed you? Something that is a whole new thing that's very different and new and fresh. I didn't see it coming. I was sad to let go of the peppers and like, okay, tomatoes are great and everything, but I guess I'll just do that. I did what you led me to do and boom, I ended up with a new thing I didn't expect, an extra blessing. Like Zechariah 9.2 talks about, um, God giving us two times blessings for every trouble, two blessings, like double for your trouble. It's a great verse, Zechariah, Zechariah with an E, not Zechariah, Zechariah 9-2, an Old Testament verse. If there's something that needs to go, can I just encourage you, let it go. Let it go. Let God take that space, plant the tomatoes where you had the peppers, and just see what he might do with it. And that's where I'm at. It's not really even a pruning season. It's more like a listening and obeying season because we want to be doing the work that he wants us to do. And by work, I mean our like the relationship type of work. Discipleship happens in relationships, uh, helping people to grow and mature and be more sanctified. That happens in relationships. Um, 
It also happens in things like, obviously, podcasts, books, blogs, all of those kinds of things as well. But you have to have some room there. And sometimes you have to say, I'm going to just step away from this. So I'm in a stepping away period. And as I go through that and really just lean on the Lord, pray, listen to the Holy Spirit, ask my good father just for absolute clarity and certainty as I make those changes. I'm also praying for everyone who listens. Like, I really want you to know this. As I pray over those things, it is, you all are never far from my mind. Just like the the people in the online prayer retreat group, uh, I may not always get in there weekly like I want to, but they're always on my mind. I pray for them pretty much every single day, like through a list of needs that I know about and then over all of the group members. And there are like 220 in there now. So like you're never far from my mind. When I say this stuff, I say, I'm going to pray about this. You pray about it for how it applies to your life. Also know I'm praying this for you, that you would hear the word of the Lord to you for this season of life, that you could just have the fruit born that he wants born. And it might be spicy peppers, which would be really cool. I mean, spicy tomatoes, not spicy peppers, spicy tomatoes. So, okay. So today I am going to read to you, let me say, I've got one, two, three, four, five verses from the book of John. And these are just kind of, let's think of them as the I am verses. You probably have heard that phrase before. This is Jesus saying, I am. So these are words in red. Um, these are, these are, that means words that Jesus spoke. These are quotes, direct quotes from Jesus about who he says he is. We have a world that will tell us who we are. We live in a world that will tell us who our kids are, who will tell us where we get our meeting. We live in a world that wants to tell us who Jesus is and who he wasn't and that we just maybe don't really understand. And I'm talking about a lost world. Uh, the world of people who don't know Jesus personally, who maybe have some just confusion and misunderstanding about who he is. I'm going to read to you five verses that that say, Jesus is saying, here is who I am. And as I read, I want you to listen to the promises that are here. And I'll, of course, do some um, expounding, if you will, talking about just to kind of help you apply the word of God to who you are right now today, because it's for you and it's for right now. And that's all I try to do on this podcast is help you understand there's no part of it that God wants disconnected from you, from your life. It's you that he loves. It's you that he speaks to through his word. His word is living and active is what the New Testament says. And so we want to treat it as if it's living and active. So when I get passionate and all that jazz, um, it's because number one is my, as my fellow podcast friend, Tony Miltenberger, he has the, uh, the reclamation podcast, excellent podcast. Um, he actually started a new one, a second podcast. It's like little 10 minutes, shorter versions. One's an interview podcast and one is about just kind of um, just boom. He just lays it on about basically discipleship and what your role is in that arena because you are a disciple of Jesus, right? If you know Jesus, you're his disciple. Follow me, Jesus said. So, um, and as Tony once said to me, he said, I feel like you're maybe you're, you get passionate because you feel like time is short because of my heart failure diagnosis. I have been, I've looked in the mirror of you've got a few years and then you're going to be dead. Now that hasn't happened. God is good. He is my healer. He is the great physician. He keeps me going. I have ample, um, just outlook on how long my life will be. I do feel like I have a promise and that it's not going to be like a super short life as my diagnosis would kind of lend itself to. But Tony said, I've got this passion for like excitement, the passion you hear in my voice when I talk about God's promises. And I think he's probably pretty much right that like I have a, 
Jesus could come back at any moment is kind of how I live, right? I mean, he could. Who am I to say? I don't know. I get that there are some things that haven't happened. Maybe a third of the world has not heard the gospel yet. Lord Jesus, get your word around the world. Save people, Lord. But I have to live as if any moment he could come back because that's what Jesus said in his parables, right? About if you knew when the master was returning, you would have already had things in order. You need to live as if he could come at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night tonight and want to, to you know, hold your hold hold your feet to the fire in a way. Like you're going to give an account for what you did with what he entrusted you with. What he entrusted us with is our life, our talents, the use of our time, our finances. We've got a lot we're going to give an account for. So um, I think I do live like thinking about with stuff with my heart, I realize maybe more than some other people do that uh, there's a brevity to our life and it could stop at any moment. It's important to live well. And if I'm going to get passionate about something, it may as well be about the word of God and people really knowing it, getting into it, praying it, believing it and letting it change their lives because it's life changing. So it should not have stopped changing lives. It wasn't just about an altar call this, this call that God put on your life. It's about so much more. So I'm going to read these verses. Um, I'm going to read them with passion because with a heart failure diagnosis, I do feel like in some ways you just think about time could be short for all of us, for all of us. There is a sense of urgency. Let's believe the word of God now. Let's not, let's not put off for tomorrow what can be done today, right? And today, today, you and I, we can believe these I am statements of Jesus. And I want you to know one last thing about God's promises. God's promises, they are lasting. L-A-S-T-I-N-G. They are lasting. They are not perishable. They're imperishable. Non-perishable goods, right? Think about those things on your shelf in your pantry, the non-perishable items. God's promises, they're imperishable. They have a very, very long shelf life, like eternal Their shelf life of God's promises is eternal. So as I speak these things, bear that in mind. First, I'm going to read from John. um, Let's see. I think I'm actually going to read. I wrote my list out. I'm going to read from the bottom up. John 14, 14, verse 6. And here Jesus says this. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is mic drop pointed boom kind of a statement. Who you need you need to know the way to go in life, you go to Jesus cuz he's the way, so he'll show you your specific way through life and he is the way, the way to the Father, the way to forgiveness, the way to peace, the way to eternal life. He is the truth. You want to know what the truth is? Go to Jesus, get in the word of God and he will um start in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, read his words and see what the truth is that he spoke. And the life. If you have an area of your life that feels dead, take that to Jesus. Take it to Jesus in prayer. Believe that he's going to give you new life, as it says, and Paul wrote that, I think, in one of his letters to the churches at Corinth. New life. He's going to give you new life. You know, you can't stop this from happening because your God is so good and so faithful. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Pray for those that need Jesus to meet Jesus and come to the Father, their good Father, through him. Next, I'm going to read John. Uh, This is from the 11th chapter of John, verses 25 and 26. And this one, uh, this is like an Easter Resurrection Sunday kind of a verse. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives 
by believing in me will never die. Okay, he's not talking in circles here. He's just being absolutely truthful. He's the resurrection and the life. When you're in Jesus, he's going to resurrect you. You will live forever. And even though you die, you will live. He said to the thief on the cross, this day, will you, thou shalt be with me in paradise this day. Like you will, you don't die and stay dead. And like you're, no, no, no. If you know Jesus, you are more alive the moment you die in your mortal body than ever before. If you don't know Jesus, I believe you're going to be more alive in eternal separation from God, which is the Bible calls it hell. So it's a real place because the Bible says it is. You're going to be more alive there than here. You're going to see things and go, oh my goodness, I didn't understand. I didn't get it. This is the hour. This is the day of salvation, the Apostle Paul wrote. So if you don't know Jesus, today's a great day to meet Jesus. And you could just pray and say, Lord, if you are the way, the truth, and the life, show me. I'm choosing to follow you. Be the resurrection in the life, in in my life, because I need that. And uh, Lord, thank you that I will never die because I believe in you. And if and I say that beginning part, if you are, it's okay to ask Jesus to show you who he actually is. Now, if you already know who he is and you've already been coming under conviction, you just pray with belief and accept his forgiveness for your sins as you repent and move forward with him. Okay, John 10 verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Look, you're not out there on your own. You're not unprotected. You're not going to be undefended. He will fight to the death for you. And did he not already do that on the cross at Calvary? Did he not lay down his life for you, his sheep? He's already shown you. I will fight to the death for you. You got anybody else in your life who's going to fight to the death for you? Um, you know, maybe you might have a spouse who would do that for you. You might have kids, family members, maybe a friend who, who talks the talk, but you're not totally sure if they would actually fight to the death for you. Jesus already has, and he's your good shepherd. So let your life be guided by the one who already fought to the death for you. Let him guide you. Then nothing is going to be just uh, random and by chance. All your wondering and your wanderings, they can both cease because the good shepherd is leading you through this life. That is, uh, that's a huge benefit. That's a Benny. That's a Benny right there. So let's grab all the benefits that we have in Christ. And they are a lot. We don't want to neglect those. We want to, we want to have those to the full measure, like overflowing with the goodness of our God toward us. And sometimes we don't have those things because we don't believe it. Or maybe it's just been a while since we've really cracked open our Bibles and read it and accepted that what God says in these five verses, what Jesus says is true for us. So uh, he's got good for you because he's a good shepherd and you're going to be watched over and cared for because he's already promised he'll lay down his life for for his sheep. And then he delivered because God promises and delivers, right? Okay. John 8 verse 12. Here Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, this is a big promise. This is a big promise. We all have periods where we feel like it's a little dark right now. And I get that. I mean, even as someone who is in Christ, who is a Christian, I get it that we can feel like, okay, it just feels dark. I can't see right now. Look, just walk with him. Follow him. This says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Your darkness may not be as dark as it seems. Satan may be duping you into thinking like, it's so dark here. And you might need to just look at the one that you're following, look in front of you, right in front of you and say, no, no, no. I follow. I follow the one who is the light of the world. 
I'm not walking in darkness. I have the light of life. I know what to do next. I know what will be life-giving for me and for others in this situation. And I'm going to know what I need to know each step of the way. So Satan, get thee behind me. You're nothing but a liar. And take your cloudy, shrouded, faux darkness with you. And sometimes that's all we need to do. Pray like that. You know, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The book of James says we can actually do that and apply it to what feels like darkness in our life. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Satan, not falling for that one. I am promised that I will never walk in darkness. So you just go on and get your bad self out of here because um, I have light. I have the light of life. I know where I'm going because I'm following the light of the world. Jesus, the Messiah, the great I am, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And you know what? Satan will flee because he has to, according to the word of God. Okay, John six thirty five. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I'm just going to say in a time when, um, and you may not have, have noticed this because it doesn't get a ton of news coverage, but like I live in Kansas and we just had 10,000 head of cattle die. Um, they're saying it has to do with weather things. And I don't know, I've lived here 31 years, over three decades. I've never really seen this um, prior to that from, oh, I don't know, for however long before that, lived in Nebraska where they have a, a you know fair amount of cattle, not as much cattle as in like the Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas area. But I've never really seen this. And one batch of 3,000 um, head of cattle died from just like one farm. You know, there's like a baby food shortage because the plants were shut down and then one opened up and then now it's got flooding and Abbott baby food. It's flood, so it's shut because of flooding. And, um, you know, now they're saying that you can't have chickens in your backyard. And by they, I mean people that, you know, there just might be a little bit of ulterior um, motivation behind some of this stuff. And you might think I'm crazy and you might be like, I'm, I'm out, I'm out, Dan. Well, you know, Satan is working to steal, kill and destroy. And so I don't want you uh, mishearing me and saying, oh, she just doesn't trust anybody. I don't trust the devil. That's who I don't trust. That's who I don't trust. Um, I don't trust the devil. I know that what happened in Egypt during the, in the book of Exodus, the plagues that came upon Egypt, it happened. And I know that God's people weren't really dealing with that. Think about darkness as black as night even in the middle of the day. And yet Goshen, where they had been kind of sent away because the Egyptians didn't like that Goshen place that was, and there are reasons for that, according to their pagan religion, they sent them to the place that they weren't going to go. That place didn't have, you know, they prospered there. They had sunlight, they had water that was not turned to blood. They weren't dealing with these plagues, right? They had, they had what they needed. Jesus will give us what we need. He is the bread of life. And, and yes, this is a spiritual thing. You will be nourished spiritually. But also, I think you can pray and say, like you did for them, would you take care of your people even when things are weird, even when we're being told you can't have chickens in your backyard because they might have salmonella? Okay, look, this is just part of living in America. We have been able to have chickens. People have been raising chickens. I mean, um, you know, and I've seen a list of, I think now it's up to like 32 food producing facilities, factories, um, have been set. They've been, they've like burned down, blown up, exploded. It's very uh, unique for this point in time in history. And it seems like maybe the 
the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy is working on things like there's no formula for babies. I pray against those things. That's like getting to the heart of our society. Like it should touch a nerve in all of us when it's like what babies don't have what they need. Oh, I got to pray about that. I got to pray about that. Uh, I got to pray about that and do some spiritual warfare, like a battle on behalf of those who they can't defend themselves, right? I mean, they need us to fight for them and how better to fight for them than in prayer. So um, then this thing with the cattle in Kansas, that's just strange, 3,000 to die. And I, I understand I've read some of this stuff on the, you know, it could be these slight weather changes or what. I get that. I do get that. But the, there's a lot of questioning about the 3,000 at the one place that um, this just hasn't happened before. And I understand they're saying we had a lot of rain and then on that day there was just no wind and it was too humid for them. Okay, Um Maybe, I guess, but uh, I just, nevertheless, I am going to be praying that the Lord would show himself strong on our behalf. He cares. He cares. He cares. And because he cares, I'm going to go to him and say, Lord, people are having trouble affording gas prices. Can you miraculously, supernaturally stretch the gas in their tank, stretch their dollars. You know, look, there's nothing wrong with, with praying this way. I don't want to be a person who just rolls over and plays dead and said, I'm not going to get in a fight on behalf of people. No, no. But also at the same time, I'm going to be praying, Lord, if there is even one person who could come to know you, because the thing that was keeping them from knowing you is that they just felt like, as he described in the book of Revelation to a particular church, I'm not going to remember which one, so I'm not going to try to say it, but um, you don't think you need anything. You come to me and buy bread and wine, Jesus says. They're like, we don't need it. We have everything we need. We're fat and we're happy. We're wealthy. We don't need it. And they couldn't see what their actual need was. So I also pray, Lord, if there's anybody who in this time of it's just more, it's heavier. It's a pinch. It's more distressing. Inflation is real. It has an impact on people's lives like it really, really does. They might need a car and they can't get a car because a clunker is selling for like three to $4,000 and it's not even going to run to get them to work. Like seriously, that's a moment for us as the body of Christ to step in, stand in the gap. As the book of Ezekiel says, let the Lord look and may he find us when he looks. Is there anybody crying out to me on behalf of these people? Yeah. Let's raise our hand and say, we are Lord. We are Lord. If there's anybody that would come to know you because of the, just the, the stress and the strain of the impact of inflation, do it, Lord, save them. And at the same time, I'm also asking you to be merciful and provide for people's needs because, as Jesus told us, there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground that you don't see it. And how much more valuable are we, each one of us individually, than many sparrows he sees so we can appeal to him and pray to him and believe him based on what he has said in the word of God. And that's not me necessarily being a conspiracy theorist. I might be that a little bit. Back when I was in high school, I had an incident where... Uh, I was ready to write my uh, term paper for a class. It had to be historically based, and and uh, it was about the 25-year anniversary of the assassination of President Kennedy, and it's like, okay, I'm going to write on that, and um, something happened, and I'm just going to say what it is. Like, I went to um, class, and my teacher was like, you have to do something completely different, because this is, this is old school papers. This is like, you got to hand in everything, including your note cards with all of your citations on them. I mean, it was ridiculous. I think I had like 300 note cards for this 30 page term paper. And she said, um, your, your locker mate, um, handed in this idea beforehand. I know it was your idea because we talked about it, but because she handed in her step one before you did, 
I have to go ahead and let her do this. And I was like, well, and she said, and my recommendation would be don't leave anything in your locker where she could get it. And if that person ever listens to this, that's how it went down and you know it. So um, that was, and too bad, because like really, <laughs> you could have wrote your own great paper on whatever subject. But anyway, all that, I digress. But so I switched on a dime. I was like, what do I do? I don't have time to come up with a whole new, like, what do I do? And she said, well, um, I guess, you know, there's a lot of stuff in print right now. Why don't you just talk about like his actual assassination rather than like his his um, presidency and his policies and then um, leading up to and then his assassination? Just focus on just his assassination and the controversy around that. And I was like, OK, how do I write 30 pages on like, you know, what? It was like six seconds or something, you know. So um, I did. And in the course of that, I kind of was like, whoa, there's some hippy dippy baloney going on here. I'm not sure. Wait a minute. What? What? Lee Harvey Oswald with a with a credit gun. This is a guy who didn't have like having a military father and now I have a military husband. It's kind of like, uh, uh, that's like talk about impossible shots and the magic bullet thing. And then they found it lying on a cot in the hallway that nobody had been on. And it's like, okay, this just got weird. I mean, it got weird. It got weird. And so in that arena, I guess it could be a bit of a conspiracy theorist because I went, I don't know. I was like 15 years old. I remember thinking, wow, I don't think I could believe everything I'm told by the media and by my government. Well, okay. I think we all would agree. We can't believe everything we're told by the media and by our government. You just can't. There's, it's just, we know that. I didn't know that as a 15 year old. How ridiculous is that? So if you want to call me a conspiracy theorist in that way, you can, but either way, either way, I don't care if you totally believe every bit of the narrative that you're being fed and you are being fed it, please. I mean, I work in a world where algorithms are everything. I work in a, an arena where you can't run a Facebook ad anymore. If you, if your target audience is Christian or you're going to, or Jesus, um, these kinds of things, Bible, those words, those parameters, they've been removed off of ads. So, I mean, there is an algorithm and there is a feeding that's happening. If somebody like me can't advertise about a devotional, that should tell you there actually is like, oh yeah, okay, I am being fed. You're being fed what you're being fed. It's being controlled. You're not going to see those ads, and that might be a good a good FYI for you. You're not going to see those ads in your Facebook and Instagram feed because Facebook owns Instagram because you're not allowed to advertise that way anymore. So that's like, that's controlled. That's controlled. That's not free speech. That's not open advertising. Like you're being fed what you're being fed. Either way, if you totally believe the narrative, totally don't land somewhere in the middle. At the end of the day, if you follow Jesus, please pray for people around you who are hurting. We are living in a world where the hurt runs so deep. It's so broad. It's everywhere. We can't let things like, well, I believe this and I don't believe that. And uh, you're a liberal and you're a conservative. We can't let those things stop us from praying. We've got to get back to the heart of the Lord on these issues. He wants us in his word. He wants us to believe his word. And he wants us to pray according to his word. So let's pray that way for people to have what they need, their needs met, for them to come to know Jesus. And if there's any part of this struggle where it's difficult and painful, um, may that be a catalyst to propel them toward Jesus, for them to just see their need for Jesus in a way they maybe have never seen it before, and also to believe that God's going to take care of his children. He sees and he cares. We need to remember that. It's easy to forget that. It's also easy to not bother to pray for other people. 
when you're so consumed with, um, you know, it cost me $72 to put gas in my, in my car and I'm irritated by that. Don't let that irritation bleed over to a point that you don't pray for people, that you don't see anybody else because you just, everything stops at the end of your nose. I can't see past the tip of my nose. No, no, that's a ruse from Satan. And I keep saying he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So when you see those things happening, if he's stopping you from praying for other people, he's destroying your prayer life and he's doing great damage to them because you're not interceding for them and they need to be interceded for. So I think you see where I'm going with all this. Um, Get back in the word. If you're not in the word, if you are in the word, pray it with some fervency, some passion, some uh, now, now is the time. Paul said it, today is the day of salvation. So if you're hearing this today, would you today take a little time to just maybe pray for somebody else who needs it? And remember, There's a very long eternal shelf life on God's promises. You don't wear them out by praying them. You don't. It's like when the Israelites were wandering around in the desert for 40 years, their clothes and their shoes didn't wear out. You're not going to wear out God's promises. He is, as I keep saying, he's faithful. He's trustworthy. He's not doubtworthy. Let's pray as if he's trustworthy. We might say we think he's trustworthy, and then we pray as if he's actually worthy of our doubts. No, 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 no. Get that, you turn that on its head, rearrange it, get that in line. He's trustworthy. And so we pray to the trustworthy one. I'm going to wrap it up. I went a little bit long, but um, I guess I'm not really sorry. I hope you were encouraged. And all of the things I said at the beginning about stepping back, you know, moving out of things, putting things on pause if you need to, if you sense the Lord calling, if you need to stop growing peppers there and make room And then God says, plant tomatoes, and then you get some amazing harvest of something super cool, spicy tomatoes. Do that. Do that. Do that. You'll never regret it. But if you don't do what he's calling you to do, if you don't open up the bandwidth in your life that he's telling you to open up, uh, you're not going to have room to slow down enough to go have coffee with that person and to pray for them, to maybe write that handwritten note and send it in the mail that could just be a game changer for that person. We've got to make sure that we're not so busy, 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 do, do, do keeping up with all of the things that um, were good for a season but not, may not be best for this season, that we miss out on what God has for us to do. Discipleship is about people. Keep people at the center, and you're going to be, um, you're going to be in a better place. You're going to be a better place when you think about people as the way Jesus thinks about them. He loves them. He cares for them. He wants them to be healthy and whole, redeemed, saved, forgiven, set apart for him, for his purposes, and um, excited to be sanctified and matured so they can step into eternity on like a high note, on a high note. So um, that is pretty much it for today. And uh, thank you for listening. I appreciate it so much. I didn't do my little spiel at the beginning, so I'm going to do it now. You have been listening to The Burt Not Ernie Show, part of the Spark Network, now playing in the Edify app. This is episode 110. Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you praying for you all. And as always, you can reach out to me with prayer requests. You can hit that like button. You can leave a review. You can share this. You can do any of those things to help just keep propelling the gospel around the world. Thankful for you. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Lean hard on Jesus. You just never know what he's going to do in you, through you, and for you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.
I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.